Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. So just for those of you who may not be familiar with colour, like I said, I think actually before the film or after the boy bands, um, this is our sisterhood session and they're intentionally just relaxed and organic and not trying to impress anyone, not that we would even do that, but just we just let it happen. So I want to speak today um, a message, actually some thoughts that I spoke with our own girls only a few weeks ago. So if you were part of that on a Thursday morning, Listen in, because the more we listen, the more we hear. Is that not true? Amen. So today I just want to speak for a few moments um, to us as a seasoned sisterhood, if I may. Everyone say a seasoned sisterhood. Yeah, because I actually believe in many ways that we are. So again, you might be, oh, I'll just pull up my britches here, um, <clears throat> and then pull my petticoat down, and uh, yeah, right, praise God. So... Um, in many ways, we actually are a seasoned sisterhood. So you, again, you might be here for the very first time, but bear with me. Um, as a local church, for us, seasoned, because actually we have probably 26 years <clears throat> up our sleeve, 26 years on the dial when it comes to sisterhood. I pretty much recut a wineskin, um, I think September 94, and began to actually really speak into the feminine heart of our church to mobilize that. So we have about 26 years up our sleeve. As a conference, you've heard it before um, already this weekend, um, we have, this is our 24th year. So in many ways, we are seasoned. So I actually want to speak to us in that context. I want to simply, if I may, recenter our gaze to the essence of who we are. I want to um, re-declare some of the fundamentals that I believe never expire or lose their potency and power. Amen? They never expire. They're always applicable in our lives. And I actually want to speak, if I may, to the mantle that I believe is over our lives. There is a mantle over our lives. And um, a mantle by mantle, like in this context, the definition of mantle is actually a responsibility that passes from one person to another. I actually think that that is actually the nature of sisterhood. It is a mantle, it is a truth passing from one to another. I'm actually not going anywhere at the moment, girls, so it's not like I'm passing a mantle on, but in many ways we are because we're in this together. And so as a seasoned sisterhood, this context, I just want us to go, okay, as a seasoned sisterhood, what would we say to our younger selves? What would we say to a younger sisterhood, for example? Think of it in context of a collective. (coughs) Hallelujah. Could you all just like clear your throat with me? (coughs) Praise the Lord, it's a special gift I have. All right, I've got it. Um, Yeah, so so you'll be familiar with that format. You see it in interviews oftentimes. Someone will be interviewing someone and they'll say, so Pastor Bobby or Pastor Leanne or Pastor Anne, you know, what would you say to your younger self? So we understand that concept, but let's consider it in a collective manner 
as a collective sisterhood here, gathered with last year, gathered with the ripple effect that has gone out around the world, what would we say to our younger selves, our younger sisterhood? What would we speak backwards into our lives? And I just wanna show you a little picture. My daughter somehow posted these pictures on Instagram. Laura, have you got a picture? So this is me way back in the beginning, probably 24 years ago, back in the day when I had blonde hair. Hallelujah, I now have gray hair that is dyed dark. Um, Back in the day when I brought my arms out. How about that? Okay, so, you know, we're kind of talking back to that sisterhood. And if we had other photos, you could see, like, as a church, we have changed so much. You know, that was back in the day when we had, like, really awesome pot plants on the stage, and that pretty much was it. Hallelujah. (laughs) But anyway, so we're talking as this sisterhood back to our younger selves. What would we say? We can lose that now because I don't want to scare you. Hallelujah. What would we say to each other? So I've written down 10 things, just 10 things that I believe will be helpful. In many ways, they're like hooks that you can hang your armor upon. Is that all right? They're going to come hard and fast, and don't panic. If I get waylaid and you think, when is number 10 coming? It will come. (laughs) First thing I would say to a younger sisterhood or our younger selves would be literally eyes wide open to the landscape that he is actually inviting us into. There it is. Eyes wide open, younger selves, to the landscape that he is actually inviting us into. Do you know, within our entrusted capacity, okay, think about that, entrusted capacity, Some of you think you have no capacity, but you do. To every one of us has been given a measure. We just need to start to use that measure and the measure will begin to grow. So every single one of us has entrusted capacity within that, within our entrusted will, free will, um, is the power to choose. We all have the power to choose to either lean in or lean out. And you know, this conference and this greater message is an invitation. Every year I give you an invitation to the coming year, and it is literally an invitation, and I'm actually quite pedantic about it. It's not a brochure, it's not a flyer, it is an invitation, and I want it given with grace because God is inviting us to something magnificent. It's an invitation, um, quite literally, to change the world. These are all like captions that have been across the last 24 years. And I don't actually have time to every year to go back and revisit the landscape because we would never do anything new if we did that. And I actually wrote a book here, which many of you would know and hopefully love, but I wrote this book at our 20th year mark. It's called The Sisterhood. And it pretty much chronicles a 20-year journey and chapter in the history of womanhood in this part of the world and around the world. We're not the only players. We're part of a field that God is using. But, you know, if you haven't read this or you, you need to, it will actually give you all the foundation blocks in Jesus' name. I was sitting with Anne Voskamp last week, actually on Sunday, and she leant over, and she's kind of new to this world. She's not, it's not a familiar territory here for her. And she said, Bobby, have you ever written anything about this? And I went, uh, yeah, I kind of have actually, you know. And I got it for her, and she's, so she's been reading it. So is there anyone in the room? Let's just go into this section down here, and you haven't read this. Hands up. All right, really fast. I have 10 copies. Hand them out, okay? Put your hand up if you haven't. I've signed them for you, actually. All right, go fast. Go fast, go fast, go fast. But um, 
Like I said, so much of our story and the background and the language is actually within those pages. So to come back to what I'm saying, number one, eyes wide open to the landscape that he's inviting us into, it is, may I repeat, an invitation to change the world, an invitation to advocate for those who have no voice. Justice is very, very important to this landscape. It is an invitation, um, I believe, to partner with the Spirit of God on the things that matter to the Spirit of God. Again, things like justice, injustice, they matter to us. If you know the sisterhood story, you'll understand that. Things that matter to the Spirit of God, like the children, like orphan sisters and nations, that was a very clear directive for me in, in hosting what we have here Orphans, sisters, nations, orphans to rescue, sisters to come alongside, nations to believe in. Since then, we've changed it from orphans to children because we've realized as we've walked in the pathway that, you know what, it's broader than the orphan child alone. Things like, um, things that are important to the Spirit of God, like generations, generations, everyone say generations, (laughs) Generations that will actually implode under the curse if they are never exposed to the blessing that breaks the curse and creates new pathways for families. So quite literally, if we don't, by the grace of God, can I talk to the maturity in the room? We're all mature. If we don't get a revelation of that, there's a lot of people around us, actually, Spirit of God is, is waiting, He's hoping, he, is, he has orchestrated for you to be actually a pathway to blessing, for you to help break some of those curse factors like we heard this morning in their lives. And then of course things like the distortion of value, because this whole greater message, this invitation is actually about placing value upon women placing value upon womanhood so that she can then rise up in her stature and come alongside humanity. That's actually the pathway of response and solution. So it's a fantastic thing that God has invited us into. And that's what I would say to a younger sisterhood right at the very beginning when some of these things were just in embryonic stage. I would say, hey, don't forget the power of what you've been invited into. And I'm personally so grateful that so many young women um, bought into this vision 24 years ago. You bought in, you were young, you were 24 years younger. Some of you, 24 years, what the heck? You were younger, but you bought in, you lent in as young people, and you've allowed this invitation to lead you into wide open spaces and to open up your life. And I'm also grateful for the old girls in the room. The old girls who were on the page and who lent in 24 years ago, you also are 24 years older, like I am. Amen? But you lent in and you're as real and present today as when you were back then, when I said, you know what, God's, I felt God say, you know, create an oasis, create a conference for young women, gird it about with older women. You are the older women and you stay true to that and I love it. You're still present, hallelujah. You're still praying, You're still investing your time. (laughs) Praise God. You might not be dancing and prancing like you used to because you can't do that anymore, but you're here. Amen. You're prancing in your spirit. Like Trinity girls, I really can't jump anymore. (laughs) Like I try on a Sunday night, I get down here and I'm like, (laughs) then that's it. That's all I've got. It's all I've got. 
But you know what? I'm prancing in my spirit in Jesus' name. Amen? And what I need to remind us of is that we are still surrounded with youth. We are still surrounded with a generation who need your revelation and your longevity and your wisdom and your grace to impact them. So let's never forget that I am now a grandmother. I have eight um, eight grandchildren, five little girls. So for the Lolas and the Willows and the Savannah and the Lexi and the Bailey, we continue in Jesus' name, amen? It's a given, but nevertheless. Second thing I would say to a younger sisterhood, to our younger selves, would be um, eyes wide open to the remarkable chapter in the coming of age of womanhood on the earth. Now, that might sound the same as what I've just said, but it's a little bit different. Eyes wide open to the remarkable chapter in the coming of age of womanhood on the earth. We are living in remarkable days. And you know, history is full of chapters, and we actually are in one, an awakening on the earth. You know, the the women's liberation movement that birthed in the, what, 60s, 70s, 60s, 70s, thereabouts. Do you know what? It's young. On the scale of, of time and history, it's a young movement. It's a young awakening. And there's been an awakening on the earth and an awakening in the body of Christ. So we're actually in a very, very powerful chapter in history, both in the world and within the body of Christ. Amazing, and we shouldn't take it for granted. You know, the gospel, I said this to the girls last week, but the gospel is very personal. It's extremely personal. It's, it's personal, it's private, it's embraceive, it's loving, it woos us, it's beautiful. The gospel is personal. But the minute we start to get a revelation of how powerful that gospel truth is in our lives, it becomes collective. It goes from being something that you have revelation of for you and yourself and your heart and what have you to being, yeah, right now, we're gonna live unto a cause that is bigger than ourselves. And I think we always need to remember that, amen? So I just wanna say, let's not take it for granted. Hillsong women who are spoiled rotten. You're a spoiled bunch. We get spoiled. We come in, we live in this atmosphere, to be honest. Don't you take it for granted, girls. Don't take it for granted. Don't, let's not waste it in Jesus' name. You know, let's not cause our sisters who have gone before to cringe in horror because we are failing to value and appreciate, again, the wide open spaces, the freedoms that we actually have, amen? You know, language, so important to me. But you know, over the years, at one point it was beloved. It was this revelation of beloved, Amen, the beloved, and then um, like beautiful beloved. And we used to put it across the screens. We didn't have all the um, digital wonder back then. We used to like make posters and stick them up. And the words were beautiful. You are beautiful and you are beloved. But then uh, maybe a year or so later, it became entrusted, those three words, beautiful, beloved, entrusted. And so beautiful and beloved is the gospel story in our lives, personal. But you know what? To get a sense of I have been entrusted with something to carry at this time in history, amazing. Do you believe that, girls? You know, Proverbs 31.10 says, obviously, a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. Who is he who can find her? Huge revelation in those verses. But the Hebrew word for virtuous woman is keil, 
KL, I'm probably not saying that correctly. And translated, it literally means mighty, wealthy, excellent, morally righteous, full of substance, integrity, abilities, strength, might, like an army. That is actually a proclamation of truth over our potential. An amazing proclamation of truth. And you know, the footnotes in the Passion Translation say that the virtuous wife or the virtuous woman in 31 is a metaphor for the last day church. So whilst we can take it personally unto our lives and see it as a beautiful blueprint for our lives, it is also a metaphor of the rising church, the body of Christ, you and I who constitute the church in the coming days. I think it's powerful. God, again, desires for our experience, for our testimony to be mighty, to be wealthy in the purest sense so that we cannot be rich unto ourselves, but rather we can be resourced to make a difference. That is what godly finance is actually about. It's so critical to the earth. God says, bring all the tithe and the offering into my storehouse, that there might be food in my house, that the storehouse might be sufficient to create an, a haven, an oasis for lost humanity to come in and for, the, for them to hear the truth. And so, you know, again, that's what God sees. He sees a church, a people who are excellent, not perfect, but excellent in spirit, morally righteous. That's an interesting one in today's world. You know, where everyone, you know, there's like a moral, you know, I don't know. It's really good to have a moral compass in life. You know, and people who don't have any moral com um, compass in their life, it's fine, you're welcome to live your life as you would, but how's that working out for you? Because on so many occasions, it doesn't work out for people. And so again, Beautiful, in Jesus' name, amen. So, bullet points here. When we say, I am sisterhood, old school, I am sisterhood <clears throat> is awesome because it infers an awakened identity. As a woman, individual, I am, I am, sister, I am who God says I am. But when we collectively say we are sisterhood, that's more awesome because I believe that that infers an awakened church. And that is what we are in the room again, amen? Third thing I would say to a younger sisterhood or self, I would say eyes wide open that the weapons of warfare, that your weapons of war, that, here we go, eyes wide open that some weapons of warfare need to be continually at hand. Revelation of our weapons of warfare, the arsenal that God has given us, the armor that God has given us. So yes, I would talk back to my younger self. I would talk back to those early days, back when I was 39, 40, 41, beginning to actually champion what I believe a part of what God is wanting to do on the earth. And I would talk back to my younger self and I would say, Bobby Houston, when you get your revelations about the armor of God, when you get your revelations about warrior, princess, daughter, when you stand up there rather tentatively because it sounds a little bit corny and say, we are warrior, princess, daughter, hallelujah, and we pick up the sword and we wield it, a symbol of God's word. Those revelations, wow, and God is saying, I believe we could speak from the future back and say, yeah, those, those revelations, you're going to need them in every season of life. 
You're gonna need them in every season of life. So when it comes to that armor, when it comes to that arsenal, there are some things in our lives that we need to keep polished and ready at hand. Do you believe that? Absolutely, because we are gonna need them in every season of life. <coughs> and that's not because we're stupid, and that is not because we don't get it, or we're thick. Everyone say thick with a Kiwi accent, thick. That's not because we're thick. <laughs> it's because we need them in every season. I still need the sword of the Spirit in my life. I still need the armor of God in my life. And you know, back in the day, I was, I was having a memory at midnight last night, and I was thinking, you know, when we cut that message all those years ago, you know, and I wanted to talk about, you know, making mincemeat of the enemy. Hallelujah. Um, I needed a sword. I didn't have a sword. So then I needed a meat cleaver, and I didn't have a meat cleaver. So back in the day, if anyone will remember, I got a bread knife. I found a bread knife, and I wielded the bread knife as if to say, you know, enemy, what you have, what you have, what you have meant for evil against us. We are going to turn for good. Yes. Christine Kane, all those years of abuse. What the enemy meant for evil against you, we're going to turn for good. You are going to take a bread knife and you're going to stab it in the devil. You're going to stab it in his wretched plans. Yeah, that, that was us way back in the day. So, you know, here I am now with a new bread knife. But um, talking to our younger selves. And we need to teach our daughters how to like Leanne and Anne talked this morning, how to actually put on the armor of God and be brave girls in the spirit of God, amen? Enough said. I think that three realms, <clears throat> three, three realms of life um, that need constant reconciliation of truth, the irresistible nature of reconciliation, three areas that need constant reconciliation of truth in our lives would be um, value, identity, and worth. Value, identity, and worth. Why? Because, you know, just when you get comfortable in your skin, your skin changes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> awesome. All right. Okay. Another area would be obviously confidence, um, determination, courage, for sure. Another area, area would be, again, that needs constant reconciliation of truth, would be the vulnerable memories or trigger spots of brokenness, abandonment, or those sorrowful places. And again, the word this morning has spoken to that. <clears throat> but there are trigger spots in our lives. And I say that because um, I think all of those things I just mentioned there are connected to the deep places of the human soul. Um, the deep places that the enemy assaulted at the fall, at the beginning of time, um, the deep places that only the cross can fix oftentimes, the deep places that the cross can only fix, and the deep places, again, that the enemy knows are trigger spots. So we've got to be mindful of those trigger spots in our life, and they're going to actually look different for all of us. And I just want to say, like, you know, guard up, girls. Guard up. Yeah, you know, I've said to my girls, we need to wake up and put on the armor of God. Well, I've, I've changed that. I feel like we need to sleep in the armor of God. We need to be sleeping in the armor of God because we don't know when the Spirit of God is going to say, arise on your feet, put your boots on, daughter of salvation. You know what I mean? Isaiah. Uh, again, our arsenal to the fore. And 
again, if I can just echo this, because sometimes the ears that need to hear it the most need to have it said a few times to them. If you've got areas in your life where you bruise easily, I'm talking spiritually, metaphor, you need to, you need to guard that even more. Yeah? You know, I've been talking to someone in my world, in my greater world, and, you know, they've been through a, a crisis, and there's just trigger spots. So they're so good, they're so good, they're on the path to recovery, they're on the path to healing, but there are just trigger spots that tip them. Like Leanne taught about, you know, intimidation, whatever. So we just, we've got to guard up to that. Go into the battle mindful. Amen? You know, September last year, <clears throat> oh, sorry, that looked like I was going to throw up, didn't I? <laughs> that was a contained wee cough. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, I woke up and I felt the Spirit of God say, hey, Bobby, hey, Bobby, I haven't called you, I don't call you warrior princess daughter for nothing, you know. He also said, I haven't called you to grow, to grow weary, to um, curl up in a ball and be idle. And I was like, oh, it's a bit harsh, Lord. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. Number four, <laughs> he's never harsh. It was true. Amen. Fourth thing I would say perhaps to a younger sisterhood is eyes wide open to the shoulders that you stand on and the shoulders that you will one day become. The shoulders that you stand on always, we must always give honour to those who have gone before and cut paths for us to walk. But you know what? What about the shoulders that you're going to become? The shoulders that you are going to become? I mean, who, who, who knew way back? Amazing, and I say this over our lives in faith, and I say it with prophetic edge. You are, if not already, you are shoulders that others are gonna stand on. So realize that and step into that framework, amen? Do not underestimate or dismiss in your spirit the things that God has prepared for you, nor the things that he wishes to complete in you. And of course, that is Corinthians and Philippians. You know, I was telling the girls that I remember um, way back in the day, we were living in Kings Langley, which would be kind of over here somewhere, I think. No sense of direction. It could be over there. <laughs> or it could be back here. I don't know where it is. Anyway, it's a neighboring suburb. And it was our second ever home. So our first ever home was over in Manly Vale. And with this tiny little fibro cottage that was like literally seven squares big, which is about as big as this coffee table. It was so small. And we were so poor. It was terrible. But anyway, it was awesome. It was our first home. We got into the marketplace. And then when we came out to Hills to plant Hillsong Church all those years ago, we um, sold that and we bought for the same price a three-bedroom brick house in Kings Langley. It was so awesome. And I walked in and it was like, oh my gosh, it's a real house. It's a real house. It's like a real house in the suburbs. And uh, I walked in, I was so excited to see the kitchen and then my heart sunk because um, previously I had had an orange and green kitchen and I walked in and it was an orange and green kitchen. <laughs> Obviously it was a thing back then. But anyway, that aside, I remember we, we got to um, renovate it a little bit and um, with the passage of time and I got a white kitchen, an all white kitchen. And you know, when that happens in life, you just, you just stare at your white kitchen. Oh, you just stay up late and you just look at your white kitchen. And I'm a bit of a wipe freak. Hashtag love wiping. Hashtag love wiping. Yeah. Once Brian was talking to our staff about um, habits and 
due diligence, really down to herself, and he said, if you go to the bathroom and you leave a mark, you clean that thing up. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about that. I know, can you believe that to our staff? And then I got up and the first thing I said was, I love wiping. <laughs> Had no idea. I actually do love wiping, I love wiping. I love wiping, I love wiping. So that has nothing to do with anything. Anyway, so I, we're in our like, little house and it's been a little bit renovated. And we invited for dinner um, Pastor David and Mari Cartledge. All right, who, if you're from Australian Christian Churches movement, you will know who the Cartledges are in Jesus' name. They're like legends in our land a number of years ago. And David has gone on to be with the Lord. And Pastor Mari Cartledge is in her 90s now, living in Queensland. And so amazing. So they were, they've served with, they served at the time with Brian on um, National Executive. He led that part of the movement for 12 years or so. And so they were in our home. Okay, so I'm young. I'm, um, you know, I'm, 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 my confidence is growing, but not, you know, to this level. And so they're having dinner and I'm serving them and I'm being so gracious and wonderful as I wipe my bench. But anyway, it's just so awesome. And then they start to like prophesy over me. They start to proclaim over my life. Like at the dining room table, they're like, you know what, Bobby, we think that you should lead a women's movement. You should lead the women in our nation. And they're like speaking and I'm just ignoring them. I'm just ignoring them. I'm just serving them and loving them and being gracious. And they're like, no, you really need to. Because Mari had led the women's movement, the women's ministry back in the day. And they're speaking at it. And I'm smiling. But like Leanne, in my head, I am saying, that chance, <laughs> that chance that is ever going to happen. There is no way I am going to lead any movement. I don't even know what a movement is. I'm like, I do not know. And I'm like resisting. I'm saying that is not going to happen. And you know why? Because I was actually ruled at the time by, I can't. I'm inadequate. I've got nothing to give. We just write a, why well, I wrote a book called I'll Have What She's Having. And I dealt with those <laughs> devils. Anyway, praise the Lord. But I'll tell you somewhat, somewhat of the difference from then and now. It's back then when I did feel that God was shifting a mantle and requiring more of our local church and requiring more of me that has had a ripple effect. Okay. The difference is that I, kind, I wasn't, but I felt a little bit alone in beginning to reshape a wineskin, a new wineskin. Bible talks about new wineskins for new oil, new days, new generations. And I wasn't alone, but I felt alone. And I think the difference today in this landscape, not only in this room and environment, but around the world where we see this ripple effect of God gathering his girls, is there is a sense we are not alone. We are shoulder to shoulder. So the point was, you know, don't dishonor or um, not be grateful for the shoulders that you stand on, but don't dismiss the shoulders that God is wanting you to become for others. And I think we are standing shoulder to shoulder together. And when we are shoulder to shoulder together, there is a greater anointing to break the yoke and accomplish things because of that unity. There is no competition. We are in this together. We are championing one another, you know, whether near or far. And I think it leaves great room for God to do an accelerated work in our days, in your local setting, wherever you are from. Amen? Fifth thing I would say, how are we doing? We're doing good. 
I would say eyes wide open to the realm of obedience that you're being called into. Obedience is actually critical. So girls, way back here, oh, pay attention. We need everyone to walk in obedience because when we're walking in obedience, every single one of us, we're gonna become a force for good. But if one of us is lagging and dragging the chain and being intimidated and like losing the plot and not having confidence and not letting truth reconcile things in your life, we're gonna be dragging that chain. Obedience is a powerful thing. Obedience, I believe, is the only way forward. Obedience is the way of destiny and calling and purpose. There are many young college students in our environment, and I would say that to your heart of hearts, learn the art of obedience. I learned it, I heard uh, Helen Burns say this very, this is the first time I heard this. She, she probably heard it from someone else. But anyway, she said, you know, obedience is so important because we don't know who and what is waiting on the other side of our obedience. We just don't know, we have no clue. And that's true in your life as well. I think obedience is where we find um, favor, it's where we find the smile of heaven. Obedience, uh, 1 Samuel 15, says, obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what God says. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He just needs our obedience. And like I said last night, I've been reading Eugene Peterson's Along Obedience in the Same Direction, and just I, you could just read the title only and it would do it. It's just a long obedience in the same direction. It's just a long obedience in the same direction. This is what the Lord requires of us. This is what he is asking, compelling us to come on, come on, just a long obedience in the same direction, eh? Do you like my sass? My swag? Have I got a swag? I don't even know what a swag is. Um, yeah, praise the Lord. Pretty much sums it up, right? Loving Jesus, honoring the call, Mm -hmm. It's just a glorious, long obedience in the same direction. And one day we'll end up at home. So again, just pay attention, learn quickly, make obedience your bestie, um, stay the course. Thy kingdom come is a beautiful hashtag. <laughs> and prayer. First a prayer, then a hashtag. <laughs> it is a beautiful prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Us this day, our daily bread. Okay, beautiful. But um, it actually takes selfless and devoted obedience. Amen. Number six, these are fast. I would say, eyes wide open, our younger sisterhood or younger selves, to the grace that you are graced with. To the grace that you are graced with. And um, these are lessons we learn along the way. And when you learn them, they become your story and your testimony and your safe place. But um, it's old school. It's old school. He will never call us to anything that he will not grace us for. If he's calling you to further study, if he's calling you to college, if he's calling you to a season of devotion, if he's calling you, he will grace you for it. Um, again, old school. He will never require of us um, what we are unable to deliver. As long as we live and take rest within the realm and the ark of His grace. When we step out of that, we are striving, we are doing things in our own strength, and it doesn't work. FYI, it doesn't work. But when we live under that ark and constantly remind ourselves, beautiful. And you know what? You might have to, those revelations, 
Um, you, you know, of grace, you, you might need to grow and stretch into that at times. Like, you, we're all growing and stretching. Listen, you might have to at times fight for the revelation in your life. Like, I have a revelation of that, but does that mean at times I don't have to fight for that revelation? Of course it does. At times you might have to, like, you know, burn, burn the candle or labor far into the night to secure that grace. You might have to go the second or third or fourth or fifth miles to secure that grace, but you will. Because Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12 says, his grace is sufficient. For my strength and my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I, even at this stage of my life, if I may say, 63, I am still dependent on his grace. And I have had to, even coming into this season of color, labor to enter his grace and enter his rest so that we can deliver this conference to you. It's amazing. It's like childbirth, to be honest. Number seven, um, I would say to our younger selves, why eyes wide open to the enemy of mediocrity? I don't often talk about this. But we used to a lot in the early days because mediocrity is the bane of the church. Mediocrity is a liar. It is a thief. It will lull you into complacency, familiarity, inactivity, and then if we allow ourselves to remotely lull into those places, where it will lead is actually to regret. Because you'll get to a certain point in your life and you'll look back and you'll go, oh, dang, why did I do that? I wasted time. I allowed my spirit to dull. You know, we have a responsibility to keep our own spirits sharp, to stir up the gift that is within us, to speak to us like the psalmist and talk to our soul. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you cast down? This is the only time that we can talk to ourselves and not be in trouble. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've got to sharpen the gift on our lives. And so these things are important, amen? Mediocrity is everything that is ordinary, average, second-hand or second-rate, lightweight, passive or lackluster. And I would dare to say that there is nothing about Christ in you that is any of those describing words. You are not a lightweight. And, you know, I'll pause here because it resonates with how Leanne was speaking this morning. Do you know, for a long time, the enemy told me I was a lightweight because I was a little bit like her. I got saved at 15. All I wanted to do was serve God and love God and be present. But I lacked confidence. And so the idea, even example, going to Bible college, it terrified me. It absolutely terrified me. The idea to go to Bible college because, <laughs> my girls want this, because I heard that at Bible college, you might have to stand up for a minute or two and give it like a testimony. And that was enough. Like, no way, I'm not going to Bible college because I was terrified. And you know, all I needed in my life was someone to say, that's ridiculous. But I didn't have that person, so I never went to Bible college. So like Leanne, I could have felt like the dumb bum person, you know? But I may not have gone to Bible college, but I've been 40 plus years in Bible college of the house of God and sat under the Word of God for years and years and years and years. And it's as good as, but going to college and getting a great education is amazing. Amen? Wherever that might be. <laughs> so praise God. Hallelujah. Where am I up to, people? As we sniff, praise the Lord. Number eight. Is it eight? 
What? Eight. Good counting. Amen. This is just a heading, but I think it's a good one. Eyes wide open, that charm is deceptive and beauty is fading. But the one who will excel in life is the one who lives in the wonder, the awe, and the fear of the Lord. It's 31. It's amazing. I think young women, older women, but younger women, we need to realize, hey, charm and beauty is deceptive and fading. You know, it is in this current world, shivers in this current world, but the one who will excel, the one who will excel in life is the one who lives in the wonder, the awe, and the fear of God. And it will do the work in your life, amen? We'll just move on from here. Number nine, eyes wide open that you get a front foot on legacy. You get a front foot. You know, all of us can get a front foot on legacy. Truth is, every one of us is gonna leave a legacy of some description in life, but just what kind of legacy are you gonna leave? There's a 19th century idiom all right, it's called Johnny Come Lately. Oh, do we have any old girls in the room? Anyone remember that, that saying, Johnny Come Lately? An idiom that used to mean, um, refer to a newcomer or a novice, right? Johnny Come Lately. These days it describes, um, a, listen to it, a late adherent to a trend or a cause or an event. All right, I just wanna say girls don't be Johnny Come Lately. There is a cause happening on the earth. And you're here, I'm talking to the choir right now. But don't be Johnny come lately to a remarkable time in history. The cause of his risen, triumphant, beautiful church. The cause of God raising a host of women. Psalm 68, 11, foundational. What does it say? Hallelujah. The Lord gives the word of power. And the women who bear it and publish it and carry it are a great host. Don't be Johnny come lately to what is happening. And if you don't understand, then ask your friend who will explain, amen? I love that we're a part of that. And then the last one is, I just threw this in because I've been doing this with my girls. I would say eyes wide open to his gaze, sweet sunflower girl. Amen. So I don't know if you follow us, if you're from um, outside of um, our church, um, we love that you're here, by the way. <laughs> but um, if, you've been, if you follow us on, on Instagram or anything like that, you'll notice, maybe notice that we've got a little bit of a sunflower theme happening, a little bit unintentional sort of sunflower thing happening. And that is basically because um, I have a little bit of a love affair with 1 Corinthians 13 and the message where it says, you know, love is this, love is that, et cetera, et cetera. But then it says, love delights in the flowering of truth. Love delights in the flowering of truth. And um, it is a profound, profound verse, the thought of truth flowering, continuing to flower in our lives. So a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting there preparing something for the girls and um, I just randomly thought, oh, we've kind of been talking about sunflowers. I inadvertently put or maybe intentionally, who knows, put sunflowers all over our little promo card and yada, yada. So I Googled sunflower sitting at my dining room table one Wednesday afternoon, and it was so interesting. Now, some of you may know this, but some of you may not. And some really cute information came up about the sunflower, right? So I'm doing a bit of a metaphor analogy here, but basically Google said sunflowers are unique, unique, because the bud faces the sun at all times. Did you all know that? Many of you would know that. Okay, it starts the day facing east 
and it ends the day facing west. That's the nature of a sunflower. It says sunflowers, the sunflower is the only flower that actually has the word flower in its name. So it's not a rose or a geranium or an agapanther or a hydrangea, all my favorite flowers, okay? It's not that, it's called a sunflower. And it's often regarded, <laughs> hallelujah, as a spiritual flower. Now, I'm sure the New Ages are in on this, but we're just forgetting that at the moment, all right? Okay? Um, it says that the sunflower positions itself. It positions itself directly to receive the sun's gaze. It positions itself. It takes responsibility for itself. It says that they are a symbol of faith, adoration, and loyalty, listen, to something that is bigger and brighter than themselves. An interesting observation, I love this, it asks the question, do sunflowers ever look at each other? And the answer is apparently not. All right, it says that um, on cloudy days, they don't look at each other because it takes a lot of effort to turn their heads. They only face the sun, and when fully mature, they face east all day long. I'm gonna show you three images I showed our girls, all right, it's kinda of cute. So here's number one, this would be us, right? This would be you and I, the individual little sunflower, if we take this metaphor. Isn't that gorgeous? Don't you look absolutely perfect in the sunlight? Gorgeous. Next one, I reckon this is up in our girlfriends. This is our girlies. Okay, don't you think this is us? Look how gorgeous we are. But as with all friendships and groups, there's some of us who are a little bit dysfunctional. There's, there's some of us who, you know, are supposed to be looking one way, but they're randomly looking the other way. You know, there's some of us who um, have lost our petals, you know, looking a bit like lost your petals. Have you ever got, had a girlfriend who's lost her petals? And you're like, oh, petal, you're so lovely. I love your petal, petal face, but you've lost your petals. Let's help you get your petals back on, right? Or let's help you get your armor back on, right? Hallelujah. But this is the one that I love personally. This is what a field or an ocean or a great host of sunflowers could look like, all right? All right, bear with me for one second. Keep that image up there. This is maybe what God sees when he created the sunflower and the lessons within it. So my husband, Brian, if you're from Hillsong, you want to be familiar. He came into the year with a vision statement, a vision thread for our church, began talking about the four winds, the winds that are found within the Word of God. And I can't give expression to it because it's too long. It's too big. But in essence, the Bible often speaks of these four different winds, the winds that come from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And they represent different things in Scripture, in history, in the experience of humankind. And oftentimes when it talks of the east wind, the east, it's talking about the storms and the challenges that come our way, the stuff that can come. But when it often speaks of the west wind, I've got that right, the west, it's speaking of deliverance. Deliverance would often come on that west wind, correct? You can look it up. And then it talks about the north wind. And I mean, he painted pictures out of Ezekiel and the Song of Songs, yada, yada, yada. The north wind speaks of the majesty of God. The majesty of God would come from the north. And then the south wind 
speaks of the gentle breeze that blows upon the garden, the gentle breeze that blows upon the fruitfulness of our lives. And in, in essence, we are going as a church into a season where we are, yes, assailed by all the various winds, but we are believing that by the grace of God, the south wind, the breeze of His Spirit is going to come upon our fruitfulness. It's going to come upon our endeavours, our cause, and cause it to be even more fruitful. So that's the essence of what He's been teaching. So come back to the sunflower. This is my hope for our girls and our sisterhood here. My hope is that like the sunflower, we will learn to position ourselves within the gaze of heaven. We will rise up and get revelation. We will position ourselves in the gaze of heaven. Hallelujah. My hope is that like the sunflower, we will be symbolic, we'll be examples of faith, adoration, and loyalty to something that is bigger and brighter than ourselves. My hope is that like the sunflower, and the psalmist of ancient times, we will start the day facing the east wind. We'll face the day, metaphorically, right? We'll face the day. We'll face whatever drama we're in. We'll face the challenges of the day. We'll face the east wind. But by the end of day, when we put ourselves to sleep, we'll be facing that west the deliverance of God, that like the psalmist, we will rise in the morning and declare His kindness and His faithfulness. And by evening, we will be declaring that as well in Jesus' name. Psalm 92 says, at every, and every sunrise, we will be thanking you for your kindness and your love. As the sun sets and then all through the night, we will keep proclaiming you are so faithful. It's a really nice way to think about it, girls. My hope is that when cloudy days beset us, our strength, okay, like the sunflowers, our strength will not be in sisters who turn away from us because it takes too much effort, but rather our strength will be in sisters alongside who will keep their gaze on the living God for our sake. So we might be losing our pedals. We might be being blown here, there, and everywhere. We might feel like a random stalk blowing in the winds from the east, but we have a sisterhood who are gonna keep that gaze fixed on the living God so that we can stand strong for our sister. And we'll be like, sweetheart, follow me, follow my gaze, follow my gaze, follow my gaze. We're gonna stand with you in Jesus' name, amen? And my prayer <clears throat> and my hope is that wherever the year takes us, it will be pleasing and aromatic and beautiful to our amazing King. As I finish right here, you know, I was telling our girls that the other week I found myself sitting um, next to a woman. <clears throat> she wasn't from church or faith, just a, a woman that I encountered out in the community. And um, at the time, there had been some, um, some there'd been a situation of domestic violence um, in the nation, and then there was a whole lot of narrative happening because, you know, these days we live in such a volatile landscape. I mean, if you're gonna to touch on anything that is political, race, gender, women's rights, or anything like that, you really have to quantify and qualify everything you say, or at least try to, because it's a sensitive landscape, right? Am I talking to mature ears here? 
absolutely. And so, you know, there was some narrative happening, and I wasn't following it too closely, but nevertheless, this woman that I was sitting next to was livid. She was, well, she was impassioned about the negative narrative. And she was going on, and she was just saying, they're taking it, whatever she was saying. And so I paused, and she was kind of talking at me like, you know, like I was her audience, and I'm like, oh, yeah, amen, totally. And then she literally paused, and I um, thought, okay. I said, so I'm sorry, but um, have you experienced domestic violence in your life? And she said, yes, I have. My father killed my mother. And then she said, and nothing has changed. Now, I'm echoing her words. They're not my words. They were her words as a woman who has experienced the harshest reality of domestic violence. And, um, and then she just said, she started talking to me like she was impassioned and she said, and nothing has changed. And her story had happened 30 years ago. And there was a reason for her sensitivity, but nevertheless, she said, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And then she eyeballed me and she said, nothing has changed and nothing will change until we teach our children differently. And I went, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we can put all the Band-Aids. Society can come up with all the Band-Aids. That, that, uh, all the Band-Aids. But you know, where it truly begins is in our hearts and the way we raise our sons and daughters. She said, I'm raising my sons to value. I'm raising my daughters to be valued. And you know what? That is why we do what we do, girls. This is why we have a message and a mandate and a mantle. This is why we gather, we do sisterhood. It's why we speak to ourselves and we build one another up in the Word of God. And it is why we stay at our post, hallelujah, with a strong message in our lips, with the anointing of God, so that we can speak to a younger sisterhood. We are a seasoned sisterhood. You might be new on the page, but you can catch up really fast. You really can. And it's become part of the answer in Jesus' name. Amen? Do you believe it? I just gave you some hooks to hang your armor upon in Jesus' name. Is that all right? Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.